For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Good evening. Welcome to today's Entrepreneur presented by FL Montreal, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar along with FL Montreal's Josh Miller. Good evening, Josh. Hello, Dan. And this evening on the program, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, marketing, about content with uh, Justin Kingsley of Maku Maku, a... uh, uh, an independent content guy who's a speaker. Uh, he's in, on the international speaker circuit. Uh, very big at C two and other he's, conferences. He's written, he's written a few books over his time. Uh, New York Times bestseller. Uh, he's 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 out there and he's he's doing a lot of stuff. And of course, about his own PR firm, Maku Maku. And uh, also Natalie Riviere from Cometa is going to talk to us about marketing a little later in the hour and about a CSR, uh, not customer service representatives. Now that means corporate social responsibility. And uh, we'll, we'll touch on those themes as well with Justin in the program. Absolutely. It's, it, and, it's, and it's a topic that we've covered for, uh, for quite a number of years with a lot of entrepreneurs because, you know, the community give back, uh, this CSR, this, uh, this corporate social responsibility you said is, is big. So we're, we're going to continue along that theme as well. First, some news and notes, uh, entrepreneurial news and notes. And this is huge today in Quebec, of course. The Rona stores were sold out to the American giant Lowe's a while ago. And uh, lo and behold, Lowe's announces that they're uh, closing a bunch of stores. It, they are. And uh, and absolutely, it's. I think that the, really the message that I wanted to get across to the entrepreneur is, you know, if you're going to sell to the big box stores, you know, this is this is when you're supplying the stores. You just don't know when they're going to close. So you got to go in eyes wide open. If you're holding inventory for them, uh, if you're if you're buying specialized product, uh, if you have a contract, you know the, everybody you know lived and died by the the sword of Sears uh, back in the day. Uh, you know, just just go in eyes wide open, protect yourself as much as possible. And it's not always easy for the little guy to protect against the big Goliath, but there are definitely things you can do. There's and and you make your decision, you make a conscious decision to go into that realm. Maybe you do that with a few big boys, but you have a lot of independence, so you kind of cover your rear end another way. Bottom line is you don't know when these large conglomerates can close at any given point because you just don't control their decision-making. You don't control their markets and go in eyes wide open. Hmm. Uh, this is a, and, and this happens, right? I mean, when you have a big corporate merger, it's upsetting for Quebecers, of course. We're used to their local Rona stores, and some of the other regions are losing their stores. I think about nine are closing. Um, but this happens, right, when you consolidate large large businesses, in this case, big box stores. And the reality is consolidation happens at all levels. You know, we see consolidation of mer- merging of companies, of private companies, smaller, that just the only way they can gain market share is to buy up some of their competition or acquire a small business. So this is something that is continuous. You see it in all forms, all walks of life, all forms of business, all sectors. So you're not going to escape it. Listen, thankfully, they're keeping a a Montreal uh, office location from what I read. So uh, even though they might be closing a Boucherville office, uh, at least there's something staying in Quebec. Uh, the story from Financial Post, how to respond when a giant competitor moves in on your idea. And these days, ideas are everywhere, the internet and all that. So how, how do you protect your ideas if uh, if you don't have anything super proprietary? And this is a story about a, a couple of young guys that, that brought
brought in a new new product to the market and when you're a small guy and you're you're coming brand new into the marketplace and they were coming in with specialized mattresses specialized sleep uh, mattresses and you know you're going up against the likes of you know the the big box stores the whether it's Baybro Martino Sleep Country uh you know you're you you have the ability to stay nimble you have the ability to turn on a dime these big corporations can definitely compete and beat you out on price they have purchasing power like there's no tomorrow so if you think you compete on on price against the big guys forget about it make sure your service is great make sure you're you're innovating make sure you adapt your product because you can adapt your product a small business can adapt their product 6 to 12 to 18 months before uh a, a big box store a, a bigger conglomerate can turn around and get the approval and go through their their levels of of decision making so if you you can actually beat them but you won't beat them on price you got to find better ways to do that and then you got to communicate it then you have to educate the the customer the consumer because most of the time consumers only see dollar signs and they say well it must be the same thing it's just cheaper in the bigger store because they can buy better not always the case not always the case Food delivery apps super convenient. I use a couple all the time. Um, however, for restaurants, it could be a double-edged sword. It's from the Globe and Mail. And, and this uh, and this article I read, and we've spoken about this before, uh, even in the last few weeks, Dan, where you have uh, where you have these the, the these food services. You want it matter of convenience, right? Consumer wants a convenient product. They want to get stuff sooner. and these whether restaurants and and we've even heard from uh, I think Mandy's spoke about it a little bit when they were on it costs money it's great to have that service but it costs money to do it you might have to give up to 30% you might have to pay a setup fee you and and when margins aren't always so big in restaurants certainly in the smaller locations that's a good chunk of your bottom line that being said i remember exactly what rebecca wolf said when she was at, when when we were here talking about mandy's and it was you know what you're right it can cost something but a it adds to my top line and b i'm not in the delivery business i don't have that expertise i'm fantastic at making food and salads and and all the all the the product that goes with it but i'm not in the delivery business so let me do what i do best let somebody else do what they do best and somewhere along the way there is going to be a plus to the bottom line You wanted to talk a bit about uh, cybersecurity as well on the program tonight. I did, you know, and and I I've heard this over the last uh, few weeks, we've heard this over the last few years, but it's kind of in the last few weeks I've hear, heard a little bit more about ransomware, a little bit more about people's data being stolen. Uh, I, I don't know, has that ever happened to you, Dan? Do you do you, I mean you deal with sensitive information all mm -hmm. the time. How sensitive are you and how conscious are you to protect people's data? I've I've been overly cautious about this over the years and I I would say uh with a fair amount of certainty that in the past decade or so there's really very little uh, that's hit the internet on my computer that I don't assume is out there somewhere and that's a crazy assumption to make right but I think it's a responsible one so what does that mean it means uh, a lot of my um my personal banking stuff is offline Uh, a lot of my uh, most sensitive material uh, that i send back and forth to clients either doesn't touch the internet or at least those big platforms like google and facebook or if i have to transport sensitive documents i do it on a usb key and i literally take them and give it to the client sometimes so the, the other option is if you have a good uh, some good software um we use a program called perio we've worked with these people in the past they're a montreal based company uh, it's a really great end to end encrypted a uh, software program and it's fairly safe never heard of any issue there so you have to beef up your security and you have to have a channel uh, that is secure 
and unhackable. So there's there's no such thing as anything that's unhackable, of course. But when you get into the larger programs, the Googles and the Facebooks and the Hotmails and sending sensitive info through those uh, those services, then you're exposing yourself to more risk because, of course, they are bigger targets. Now, when when we're talking about ransomware and, and you you know. You know, many people have heard about the, these guys that, that hold your data captive, that they encrypt it, you can't get a hold of it, they've somehow managed to lock out your server, and you need to pay them X amount of Bitcoin because it's less traceable than yeah. sending a check uh, or, inter, you know, internet transfer, uh, and and they just have your data captured. And this is something that, that you need. Like, you know, if we're a professional firm and we have data, we can't continue to work. We just, you know, we're, we're locked because all this, all this, forget the sensitive data just for a second. I don't forget about it, but just, just the ability to not be able to work. So what does that mean? Backups, backup, 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 backup. You just cannot protect yourself enough because if somebody hits you one morning and says, I've, had you, I have your all your backup, all your data. Then go to the night before, go to the morning of, and say, okay, keep it. You know, normally they don't threaten to release it. Normally they just threaten to not give it back to you, and and people just want their data back so they can work. Mm-hmm. So just get your backups. Make sure you're checking them, double checking them. Don't have them on the same server. Uh, you know, don't have a backup on the same server. Don't as have them on one. any server. That's don't what have I keep telling. Tell- no, keep. This is what I keep telling people. Just assume whatever you put into a computer that is even connected to the internet. Assume that is not 100 percent secure. I know that sounds paranoid, but that's really what I live by. And so I have a separate. I have USB keys. I have separate drives that are not connected to the internet, where I keep all my sensitive stuff. And that way, you know, uh, in in this, I have one that's that's locked away somewhere. I update it every month, and I, I you know, go put it in the vault and all that. So in the, in the safe. And so that to me is is the best way. And if you have anything that you need absolutely to send over the internet, make sure you're doing it on, on the most secure platform possible. Uh, and I understand you. It's just not maybe the most efficient way to no, do it. No, not at all. So, you know, forget the ba- monthly backup. Some people want to back up, uh, you know, several times a day. Mm-hmm. Bottom line is back it up or you may get caught. For sure. Uh, all right. Today's Entrepreneur on CJAD. On the way, we're going to chat with Justin Kingsley from Maku Maku about his content work, his speaking engagements, and uh, corporate social responsibility. So Justin is up next. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, presented by FL Montreal, inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Dan Delmar and FL Montreal's Josh Miller with you. And this evening, let's welcome into studio the founder of Maku Maku and the uh, author uh, of three books, including the latest called Le Livre du Don, uh, Justin Kingsley. Welcome to CJD, Justin. Hey, thanks, man. Good to be here. And as we do, you know, and we there's so much to talk about. You've you've had quite the varied uh, career and in, uh, in different places. But let's first start with talking about Maku Maku. You're kind of one of your later latest projects. What exactly is Maku Maku? Well, you know, I'd been in uh, I'd been in a bunch of different fields doing one thing. I'm in the storytelling business, but I've done it in, you know, PR, journalism, politics, and then uh, most recently as a partner at Sid Lee, a marketing firm. So when I left, I wanted to create a, a, a creative shop, a, a storytelling shop. So what we do in my shop is we package stories. 
and that's what Maku Maku is all about. And and there's a meaning behind that word. It's a bit of a long story related to childbirth, so it's a bit of an odd one for how how you come up with a company name. Leave out the gory details. No, leave out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, three days of them. But it's um, well, Maku. If you really want to know Maku Maku, it's because our my son Leo. When he was two years old and he wanted, uh, well, his mother's breast, nursing, he would yeah. say, Maku, Maku, Mama, because he couldn't say milk. He'd say Maku. And then I thought about this and I said, what is Maku, Maku? It means it's it's good for you and it's good to you. You know, if he craves it, it's good for him. And and, and uh, or if he craves it, he wants it and mm-hmm. it's good for him. So that's what I do. I My team and I, my teams and I, we package, we find the best way to tell the right stories and we don't care what the stories are, or where they come from. Do you care what sectors you touch? Well, no. That's the we're curious. We're curious people. I'm a curious person by nature. So the reason I got into this business is so that I wouldn't have to do the same thing every day. I I need change, and I I knew this. So we love. Like I'll never forget. I was in university covering the Habs, and and people would say, "Wow, you get to go to the game," and I'd say, "No, I, I have to go to the game." There's a lot of people covering those games, but it's when you get to go to the West Island to cover a Bantam girls hockey tournament and you go searching for a story there that's different that people are going to want to read. That's always what got me excited, the the quest for a great story. So, so yeah, no, I don't care what, what the story in, – in fact, I prefer challenging – crappy opportunities for stories did we start in journalism the same way covering peewee and bantam hockey games oh man bro (laughs) when people say wow you get to work with george st pierre and you've worked on the olympics and and the world cup of soccer and politics with heads of state what's the secret and i tell them hand washing awareness week and they go what what's that and i go that's one of the first stories i had to write for the ottawa citizen i had to go interview the mayor about the importance this is 25 mm-hmm. years ago the imports are washing your hands you know like you start out by learning and doing the work so, i don't know about yeah. you but but i found it so useful to hire journalists because of because of that kind of experience that we've had when we were younger and and i, I think that journalists are trained to be storytellers and marketers not necessarily are man i i gotta tell you i really agree the most important lesson we learned in j school is you go and you find out that angle, the lead. We call it the lead in journalism. What's the most important differentiating fact? And I'll never forget the lesson that Brenda Zosky taught us at Concordia University, just right here in Montreal. The, the, the lesson was if a dog bites a man, that's not news. But if a man bites a dog, now you're looking at something a little bit different, something unique. So it, it teaches you to think right away about going to get what's different, unique, and putting it in a storytelling format. Well, what do you think a headline is in marketing? What do you think a 30-second ad is? And with the world, the way the world's going today, people's attention spans is getting, they're getting shorter and shorter and shorter. A little goldfish has a longer attention span than the average human being. We're on about five seconds. Those little fish are on about seven or eight seconds. So that means you get three and a half seconds to make an impact and get someone to do that double take. Well, if you haven't been trained in getting that edge, that differentiating factor right off the bat, well, then you're already behind and it's only been four seconds. So when you're sitting in the newsroom when you were when you were a kid, knee high to a grasshopper, and they're handing out stories, you know, do you do you pick the worst one so you can make the best case out uh, of it? It's such a good story. I, I, in fact, because I, I, I mean, I mean, I'm four, I'm 47, so it's it's been almost 30 years since I went to school, and 
and I got in trouble. I was You're not the oldest one in the room. Just okay, good. But I was I got in trouble because I was doing so I was writing so many stories for the Gazette. There were complaints by staff members to the union. Who's this kid writing this many stories? And I, I right away I had the flash because I, I went to the boss and I said I have an idea. And he said, "What? What's your idea?" I said, "Give me all the stories that nobody else wants to cover, because I don't care. I really don't care. The harder it is to write, find something good, the more exciting it is to me. And no one's going to complain because I'm going out to the West Island on Sunday to cover that Pee Wee hockey tournament at 7 a.m. <laughs> at 7 a.m. and there till 6 p.m. Been there, yeah. So I was ecstatic, and none of the other folks in the in the. So you know what I mean? Like you learn, uh, you." You learn that the nuggets, you, you make them. You, you make the story in a certain way and, and that there's no job too small or too big for anybody, right? Like I, I worked at Richie's Sports Shop in Ottawa and there was a guy named Jeff Wallace and he was the manager. I'll never forget this. These are the lessons you learn. And, and he said, I'm going to go down and wash the toilet, clean the toilet. And I said, Jeff, I work for you. I'll, I'll do this. He goes, no, I'll do the first one so that you know I'm not above anything. And then you will do every other one for the next number of years. But, you know, he did it. He was willing, you know, yeah. so it was a great lesson. Now, what was the next step? You know, going on to, okay, you were writing all these stories. Uh, you know, where was the where was the step from the Ottawa citizen to uh, uh, a Sid Lee type? You know, how, how was that? What was Where was that big break? What did you feel was that great step that got you in one place or the other? And I know I'm skipping a lot of years. But can you well, no, it's it's a it's an excellent question, but it's not one great great step, and that's that, I think that's magic thinking by a lot of people. They think it's one great step, and and it's like uh, I compare it to climbing a mountain. Uh, you never climb a mountain in a straight line. In fact, if you have friends with whom you've climbed mountains, or if they're cl mountain climbing experts, they'll tell you anyone who goes straight up is finished after five kilometers. It's zigs and zags, and and then halfway th up, sometimes you've got to adjust your your program. So, I, I basically had a formula, and I, I I consider myself a guy who wakes up with a machete at the foot of a mountain every morning, and there's a jungle in front of him. But I had a formula, and I said to myself, if I if I if I'm in a job where I'm contributing something, I'm bringing something unique that they don't have, and I'm getting something out of it that I don't have that I'm learning then it's a perfect relationship. I'm giving them something they badly need, and I'm getting something out of it to make me better. So that was the philosophy from day one, and then that's how you can go from journalism to public relations to media relations to crisis management to politics to marketing, advertising, and then pure all-out creativity, which is what I'd say I'm doing today. Public relations, that's got to be a big learning big i don't know learning curve or big learning lesson life lesson i think you did work for for the pmo for the i did i was uh, yes what was the biggest lesson there oh my god there's so many i i don't know how we'll to pick I, one quick one i'm gonna pick one which pmo by the way this is Martin? if you want a friend and paul yes i was uh, i managed the sponsorship scandal mm, nice. or the, the question a spokesperson for the government of canada in a department that was called communication canada nobody wanted the job uh, that's, I was the only person who applied for it. The I deputy recall. minister, when he interviewed me, said, you're the only person who applied. Because <laughs> I said to him, I'm kind of surprised to be meeting you, sir, a senior person as you for his job. And he goes, well, I'm surprised to meet you. You're the only applicant for the Because everyone knew it was going to be a horrible file. But it's not horrible if you didn't do anything wrong. You're just managing a difficult file, which I'm fine with. The eye of the hurricane, right? 
you want to be in the eye. It's the best place to be in a hurricane. It's the safest place. It's the most interesting place. But all that to say, I'd probably say, and it's a heartbreaking lesson that I learned in politics, but if you want a friend in politics, you buy a dog. That's the lesson I learned. It's it's not about teamwork. Uh, what I saw at the federal level, there are wonderful people in politics, and there are wonderful team players and great leaders in politics. But I also found there are a lot of of people who are trying to build their own careers uh, uh, in in what I call a negative a negative way. And I'm a sports guy. I'm a team guy. Uh, you know, I, I get a great joy out of passing the ball. Uh, so that someone can score the points or the goals. And if you've played team sports, you get that. Not everyone, I would say, in my experience, but maybe that's all changed in the last 15 years. Or maybe not. <laughs> More with Justin Kingsley of Maku Maku on the way. We'll talk about corporate social responsibility as well. That's all coming up. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Today's entrepreneur on CJAD 800, inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and FL Montreal's Josh Miller with you. Our guest this evening is Justin Kingsley of Maku Maku. He's the author of three books, his latest called uh, Le Livre du Don. So we'll talk about corporate responsibility in a little bit. Uh, but first, let's talk about hiring creatives, Josh. I mean, something that I have to go through, uh, of course, once in a while. And it's important to find the right fit. It's important to find... Um, the, a character who you're going to get along with creatively, and that can be challenging sometimes. And sometimes you really have no idea what you're going to get. It's just, you know, where's where's your gut feeling and where do you want to go with it? Uh, now, Justin, you've been part of a number of different agencies, mm -hmm. even before your own Maku Maku. How do you hire? Like, what do you look for? Well, I, I go to my yard. I have a tree, and I have a creative tree. So I just go pick them off the tree. I have grown water in them. The yard. You cultivate them. If sunshine. they're good, I water them. But... Um, uh, such a stupid joke, but no, listen, there's no perfect recipe. I, I don't look at resumes anymore. Like I'll look at them real quick to get your bona fides and understand, okay, you've done this, you've done that you've proven, but that's just a piece of paper on which things are written. So I, I, I tend to look at the mission, uh, and then I try to find people who are made for that mission. Uh, and the beauty of Montreal is it's a city of freelancers. So there are dozens, well, hundreds of, if not thousands of freelancers in a bunch of different fields. So I'll, I'll have a specific mandate or mission I want, I want to realize. Well, then I'll start looking for, for team members that are, that are suited for that mission in a bunch of different roles. Because again, the sports background is about having the best team uh, at the right time so that you can meet these these huge challenges. Do but, people come to you randomly? Oh, absolutely. I get people. What do you who, do with that? What do you do with the random people? I keep them all. I keep uh, I keep uh, a folder with all of their names. I try to get to know them. I try to meet every single person who wants to meet with me to talk about these things for 15 minutes so I can know them, because you never know. When you're going to think of that person for a specific job or an idea or a mandate, and you can reach out to them. So I, I have a rule. I meet with all every single one of these people. Uh, I buy the coffee, and I want to know them. I want to know what drives them, what passion, what's their passion, and what kind of curiosity they have. If you want to know the number one criteria for me for a creative person, it's your creativity. So I'll ask them, what are you reading right now? What are you watching? What do you consume? 
listen to their story? Can they tell you a story? Can they tell me a story and, and are they doing the right stuff? You know, like I was recently in prison uh, at Bordeaux to talk with some inmates on a special program. On the right side of the bars. Um, Possibly. Y- y- well, yes, but I, I have an opinion on that and I, I think it's pretty rough what we do to people who have broken the law in this country. We put them in cages and expect them to come out better people. So that's why I actually try to go and give them some of my time. Um, but I had a kid in there who told me when he comes out, he wants to be a musician and we're next to a great music room. They've got a 1977 Fender Rhodes in there, six guitars. And I go, so which instrument are you practicing in there? And he goes, Oh, none. I go, well, where, where are you doing your music? Well, I think about it in my cell. And uh, so like those people who give those kinds of answers that I find there's a lot of talk, but there's not a lot of action. And then sometimes you'll get someone who's had no experience and no one's given that person a chance. But they're they're interested. They're well. I write a personal blog. I've written forty seven thousand words, but uh, I have thirteen readers, including my mother and my sisters. And well, you go check out what those people are producing. And a lot of time, a lot of times, it's fantastic content. So I may not have a mission for them right away, but I I never forget them. I really don't. And and I reach out to them. And sometimes when there's a great mandate, I say, hey, you want to work on this? And usually they jump at it. You you you've been at Sidley. You left Sidley. Yeah. You were a partner at Sidley. You said, wasn't for me anymore. Why do you leave a successful firm like Sidley to start your own? Because you have a life goal that's bigger than the place you were. Sidley's a great, great shop. When I was there, it was ranked one of the five best creative shops in the world. I did the Olympics there. I That's where I met Georges Saint-Pierre and, and worked with him and developed his brand and did all these great, great campaigns. But I'm on a path. I'm on a path, and and I knew it. I knew I was on this path to do different things, to write television series, to write films, to direct films, to write books, to do... uh, I want to write a libretto for an opera. I want to write a sitcom. Like, I'm I'm a writer who's interested in a multimedia approach to the world. And so I had wonderful times at Sid Lee, but I also knew there was something inside of me telling me I had to get out of there. And I'll tell you, it, it was physical. I mean... I'm an emotional person. I know what anxiety is. I know what depression is. And my last few months there, I I don't think there was a day when I wasn't sitting in the parking lot with tears in my eyes, mustering energy to go up to work. So at some point you realize this is not for me. This is not what I'm meant to do long term. So maybe short term it's working for me and it's good for me, but I need to do something else. And so I decided my... My my wife was pregnant with with our first and only child, Leo, at this time, and I thought if I if I wait till he's born, then maybe I won't have the guts to make this move. Maybe I'll take the security. Maybe I'll, and so all these questions just just well, they were signs. They were beacons in the sky saying, no, you have to act. You have to act for yourself and live without regret. So now, when you're you're having Maku Maku and you're choosing clients are coming to you, you're choosing clients. Do you take that same philosophy and say, I want to, how do, how do you choose your clients? Do you say no to projects? Absolutely. Absolutely. Great question. It's super important. Uh, the, the, the issue, when you're building your own brand or you're developing your own vision, what I call that North Star vision, you know, th- that's where I'm going. And, and the next X number of years are going to be towards m- reaching this goal. You don't, you don't define that to know what you say yes to. You define it so you know what you say no to. Uh, and I, I, I made my parameters quite clear. I mean, everyone wants to make money. Everyone wants to have a good living, but it's just not my number one priority. And I've, I've, I've said no to 
very lucrative business offers. I've sometimes said yes to clients and realized there was a mistake and fired them. You know, I hate, I don't want to use aggressive language like that, but you call a client and you say, I'm sorry, we're not going to work together because you realize I have one life. I have one opportunity to get this, get this right in my, in my career. Do I really want to be spending this time working on this project for, for X amount of money when I could be doing these three other projects that put a smile on my face for less money. And I'll tell you, the, the, it's, there's this expression, find something you love doing and you won't work a day in your life. I think that is such a falsity and it's, it's, it's bad. It's bad to be spreading this kind of information, especially for youth, because they ask me about this all the time. Once you find something you love doing, you'll work every day for the rest of your life. You won't be able to stop yourself. It's going to come pouring out of you. The difference is you're going to have a smile on your face. So you may work six or seven days a week, but you'll be happy instead of working five days a week and counting the hours until Friday when it's 5 p.m. and you can go make a barbecue. You know, so it's, it's all kinds of factors rolled into one. And that's what guides you in your business, as, as it should. All right, Justin, you're sticking around. We'll have your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur at the end of the show. And coming up next, Natalie Riviere, marketing specialist with Fuller Landau and Cometa, uh, talks about CSR, corporate social responsibility. That is on the way. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and FL Montreal's Josh Miller with you for today's Entrepreneur. Our guest this evening is Justin Kingsley of Maku Maku Agency, and he's the author of the new Livre du Don. We'll have his one piece of advice for today's Entrepreneur coming up. But first, we welcome back Natalie Riviere, our marketing specialist, and my marketing specialist, by the way, uh, with Cometa to talk about uh, corporate social responsibility. Welcome back, Natalie. Thanks so much, Dan. And I think we should start off because we've been talking about the Livre du Don. And Justin, you know, maybe and this 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 is going to go by really quickly because we talk a lot about with entrepreneurs about giving back to the community that it's it's whether it's in people's nature it certainly draws customers to them that's not the first desire to do that but it involves them in their business leave it to don't why did you write it Justin I wrote it because no one else was writing about the subject if you it's again we go, go we go back to curiosity and projects that stimulate me someone said you should write a book about giving. And I went and looked, and I found very, very little on the subject of giving. And I started thinking, wow, we're in a society of taking all the time with very little giving, so I'll explore it. And I spent a year and a half researching it. I interviewed a 100 or so people, picked the 26 best stories, and wrote this book in French so I could dedicate it to Mama and Papa about giving and giving's place in society, but it, it changed me. It, it really, really changed me because I thought giving was you give some money and everything's good and you help people, but it's, that's charity. And I real I learned what philanthropy is and, and, and real giving and it changed my life. And Natalie, you know, we, we've been, as you know, and you've been on this program many times before about community give back and, and corporate social responsibility, uh, I'm just going to let you go because I know you have tons of thoughts on it and uh, and certainly where we're going and, and our foul up nights, uh, F up nights, uh, anything I can say other than the real name uh, that uh, that's coming up. And uh, so winding you up. There you go. Thank you. 
Well, yeah, everything that, I mean, even at Fuller, there's such a theme of community. It's ingrained in everybody that you hire, everybody that you, like all the work you do as a team, yourselves as a company. We, we, we are, I'm very proud to say we are attached, our, us and our 115 people are attached to close to 40 different charitable associations or, or non-for-profit boards or whatever. We, it really, I, I agree with you and I'm very proud to say it. We are really attached to the community. Exactly. And that, um, re represents part of the stakeholder conversation. So there is a movement going on around social business, not just social media, but socially conscious, socially responsible businesses. And so to highlight that, to highlight, uh, that culture that you have started in Fuller, but also connect it to what's going on in the world. The concept of walk radio was like, we have enough talk about this. There's a lot of people that talk and kind of like you mentioned, you know, you see the talk, but it's the action that really counts. And so we've, we've got enough talk. It's time to focus on who's walking it. And so this series of conversations is meant to highlight really the, the trends and not just the trends, but the change. And would you say in, in the various companies that you've seen, and, and I know sometimes the challenge for entrepreneurs to talk about themselves a little bit, but definitely a, a plus for them to get that information out there. Yeah. I mean, particularly with Cometa, we're here for the social businesses and the social entrepreneurs. I want to bring more positive content to the media and more local and conscious business offerings to the economy. And even when we met with Fuller, there was so much there. People just don't necessarily know to talk about it. And of course, you can pitch it as that, you know, maybe there'll be more press if there's community involvement or it's a better marketing move. But at the end of the day, uh, what people are seeing is that even to recruit now, uh, youth are more conscious about where they're working and they are motivated by much more than money. Well, and it's one of the big, big findings in the, in this, this book and this research that I did is more and more people are realizing if we leave it up to governments and, and company, big, big multinational companies, but especially governments to do it for us, we're in deep trouble. And so there's more and more willingness for individuals and, and individuals asking themselves, what can I do? What do I have to offer? That's the big lesson from the Livre du Don and the one that changed my life is, and, and more and more the young people are saying, I want to work for a company and sleep well at night. I think happiness has a big part of to play in this and, and a, a consciousness about what's happening in this world and the things around us. Because the truth is, I'd like someone to explain to me why there are still plastic water bottles for sale at, at the corner store near my house. Like, why are this, these problems not solved yet? So it's it's individual action and people who decide that's enough, I'm going to change. And that's where I think... F up nights is 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 a really neat example of it. And yeah. Natalie and Justin, I, I would also say that in terms of the generational change, you know, our generation, millennials and younger, we expect the 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 corporate social responsibility to be part of the business model. So it's not just making the occasional donation; it's really incorporating it into your daily activities. Exactly, and that's referred to as the triple bottom line. So rather than the bottom line being just about profit, it's now involving profit. Yes but planet and people and not the stakeholders of the business, but the shareholders, uh, sorry, opposite, not the shareholders, but the stakeholders. And we're all at stake. The environment's at stake. You know, and again, we know all this. And so it's time to focus on the action. And there are organizations that are helping regulate um, and helping businesses to understand where they fall uh, in their impact. Uh, and we're going to be talking to them in this conversation series, as well as other people that are working on happiness and consciousness in the uh -huh. workplace. So, 
triple bottom line win. I mean, Justin, I know when we had our conversation yes. a few weeks ago, you mentioned that that was that was one of the drivers for you as well. Well, I, I, I talk about it in the second book I wrote called Weology, How Everybody Wins When We Comes Before Me is all about this. And it's about creating intelligent, healthy workplaces for the, the new generations, not just millennials, but all, all people with a special focus on, on that millennial generation. But I often say this with, with partners or clients. I say, if everybody at the table wins, well, then something magical happens. Nobody lost. And you may only win 5% as opposed to her 38%. But next time you'll say, okay, how do I grow my portion of the pie? Or how do I get more out of this? How do I get a bigger win? People won't resent that for you. But yeah, if you can create a win for yourself, your corporation, your employees, and and well, a consumer out there somewhere. Well, then you're really you're you're checking all the boxes and being a, a powerful force, a positive force for change. And 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 Natalie, you you mentioned a great point earlier. The war on talent, the search for talent is 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 so difficult. If you can show that right culture, that right image, that right give back, then then I think that that's good. As we approach the last moment of our show, we're going to turn to Justin Kingsley, uh, Maku Maku, and ask you, Justin. What would be your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur? That's a tough question because one piece of advice won't cut it. But I'll say if if you've chosen the right North Star goal and you know you're going in the right direction, or another way to put this is if, if your gut, if, you, if you're listening to your gut and your gut is telling you you're going in the right direction, you're doing something good, and you have that feeling that, yes, this is what I need to be doing, once you've done that, then the piece of advice I would I would tell people is get a virtual fuel tank for your back that, that will take all the criticism, that will take all the negative things that people are going to say about you or say behind your back or about what you're trying to do, the doubts about the beautiful, innovative things you're trying to do. And I would say take take their criticism, take their negativity and put it in your fuel tank so that on those Friday nights and weekends when they're out there partying or having fun in the sun and you're working it's because of those things that they said to you great thank you very much justin kingsley from maku maku and the author of le livre du don thanks for stopping by tonight thank you man i had a great time thanks natalie riviere as well we'll have her back soon from cometa and fuller landau and josh we'll see you back here ne two no, mondays from now no but next week we are on but we're going to be Live, live from That's Dawson. True, from Dawson. Dawson, the Global Entrepreneurship Week. We are going to broadcast live from them next next Monday night. Fun. Next Monday at 7. See you there. Don't forget FLMontreal.com. Check out the community section for over 10 years worth of inspiration there. Have a good night.